Hello, I'm Maisie McCabe and welcome to the Campaign Podcast. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by Matt Barker, the Features Editor of Campaign. Hello. And Chris Barker, I didn't realise what we'd done there, the, um, the <laughs> Senior Barkers. Art Director across um, a range of Haymarket titles, including Campaign. Hi, Maisie. <laughs> well, it's lovely. And we will just say at the outset that you're not related. It's total coincidence. Very similar barbers, though. I think it's probably fair to say <laughs> This week, we've published our winter 2022-2023 magazine. It features a comprehensive review of the year, our annual lists including the brightest talents in the business and the most impressive work, some predictions from leading industry figures in the year ahead, and two top creative directors conducting a not wholly scientific private view penalty shootout mashup to find out who did it better, the Christmas ads or the World Cup spots. So, um, Chris, obviously you took a creative approach to the treatment of the World Cup versus Christmas feature and also, um, you know, the cover of the magazine. Can you explain how that came about? It was inspired by the uh, the Sainsbury's ad from um, a few years back, where set during the First World War at the famous... Um, ceasefire on Christmas Day where they played the game of football. And um, when we came up with the idea of World Cup versus Christmas, it literally was the first thing that popped into my head um, to have footballers facing off against Father Christmases on a snowy um, snowy background. And after a few false starts, we were originally going to photograph it. Okay, um, people, you love getting the Adlander dressed yeah, up, don't you? Chris? They, do, they, <laughs> yeah, they, they, they do like dressing up. They never never complain. Um, but I'm quite glad that we did. Well, there were a few reasons we didn't do it as photograph in the end. One of which was it solidly tipped it down with rain in between the idea and when we were going to have to shoot it. And uh, because ideally we'd, ha- we'd have to shoot it outdoors to get the, the, the right kind of lighting. Um, so, yeah, I, ideally we were going to photograph it and it was going to be people from Adland dressed up. But I'm quite glad we didn't because I think it would have... Um, slowed down the, the message a little bit. There'd have been this sort of added layer of confusion of why is, why is she dressed like that? Why is he dressed like that? Who are they and what are they supposed to represent? So I think it's much more immediate the way we've done it in the end. Um, we had a few false starts, a few people not not really buying into the idea, but um, eventually uh, I worked out that, well, I got Bill McConkie, the illustrator, to um, – to do to do the picture and because I'd sort of photoshopped a mock-up to show the team what it would look like um we could say he, he said well that's fantastic you've done my composition for me which saves some time so I, I can paint it for you I was like fantastic that's gonna look like a Radio Times Christmas cover so I'm really pleased with how it's come out but that that was the thinking behind it anyway yeah, it's great. And we, we had a, a good philosophical discussion in the office about whether it was appropriate to mention how attractive made up people are. Can you objectify uh, an imagined painted person? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure we quite got to the bottom of it. The, the footballer rather than Father Christmas. <laughs> lovely beard, yes. <laughs> there's, you know, there's a beard for everyone. Everybody loves Santa. Yeah, indeed. Um, and and Matt, can you for listeners? So this is um, obviously in the magazine today, and then we'll be online on Wednesday. This feature, but Matt, for people who haven't perhaps read it yet, can you explain a bit more or any of the kind of interesting ads or choice comments in it? Um, yeah, without giving too much away, and I think probably most people would expect this, having seen some of the ads over over the past sort of weeks and months. It was a rather one-sided affair, the uh, the penalty shootout. Christmas uh, came out on top. Um, I actually spoiled that in the intro. 
like on the on the consensus page. So yeah, I, 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 I think it's probably probably likely to be expected. Um, some of the highlights that were chosen were Asda, which I think everybody loved, and and I think it's it's just been sort of proven to be the most effective ad this season, this sort of festive season. Uh, Amazon boots, John Lewis. It wasn't all one way, but it kind of was. Uh, Nike. Nike did really well um, with, with their ad. Adidas kind of got a couple of... I mean, the, the Adidas one, to me, it just seems more like... I, I was trying to work out if that was Adidas or Pepsi-Cola every time I saw it. You know, it did. It did the, the, the football ones kind of went over a lot of old ground, it seemed to me. Played it a bit safe. I have to say, I um, saw the Nike 30 last night on, on telly, and that almost made more sense than the longer version right. because you didn't get that kind of whole lost of all the different characters. Yeah, yeah. So I think football got, got caught out by playing a... Too much of a defensive game, basically. <laughs> I, th- I think Boom. that was, yeah. Um, but yeah, so Christmas ads came out on top. So it's um, inevitable, really, isn't it? Because there was, there's, apart from the cost of living crisis, there wasn't any controversy around Christmas. Whereas the World Cup, you know, it's a, it's a much, much harder brief. I think they were a bit harsh. On the, honest, on, on the World, World Cup, Cup ads, yeah. do you think? I think it's really easy to like a Christmas ad. I don't know. Like, I think this is a particularly strong, like we've had a few fallow years at Christmas and I think the ads this year are mm. are better than recent. I don't know, both can, things can be true though, can't they? Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's it's a clash that's never happened before and it's. I think it's really good that we got it on the cover. I think it's a really, you know, a unique moment in advertising history. To have the two big titans facing off at each other, but I think Chris is right, and he sort of touched on on that there that you know you, you can with Christmas you can kind of tap into people's emotions and so on. With World Cup, I think nobody quite knew. I mean, Chris mentioned earlier he was kind of boycotting it. A lot of people weren't fans of the, the tournament taking place, where it's taking place, and when it's taking place. Mm. Um, so. I guess we move on other bits in the mag. Um, so obviously the lists make up a huge section in the magazine. It's kind of quite a long process, takes a good couple of months, if not the whole year, because what we do is scour our own coverage during the year. We consult far and wide to try and deliver a definitive guide of the people and the work the industry can be proud of this year. And I want to say thank you to all the people who filled out our form and sent in nominations. And an extra big thank you to those people who found the time to talk to me on the phone going through the year while no doubt juggling their own creative deadlines. Um, people were really generous, you know, including incredibly senior, busy people um, with their time. So I really, really do appreciate it. We couldn't do it without you all. So, Matt, do you have anything from the list that you'd like to flag to the listeners? Just it, it seems to be sort of really kind of robust and, and healthy and, and things like the outdoor ads. Um, I mean, I, I know we, we speak about the last photo a lot by Calm, but that, that was such an important campaign and and so sort of brilliantly done. Spec savers as well. Fantastic. And then the way brands are behaving as well. Patagonia, even dear old Lego and Tesco. You know, this, this, it seems like a really interesting moment. Um I don't know. Sometimes I think you could flash forward 30 years and, and you'll have, you know, I love the 2020s and they'll wheel out Danny Baker or somebody. And you can see some of these ads appearing, which is what Adland wants. It wants to be part of a wider cultural conversation. And I think a lot of these adverts feel like they are. A lot of these campaigns feel like they are as well. I mean, what do you think about, well, certainly with some of the film ads and creatives, does it feel, speaking to agencies a lot recently, a lot of them are kind of saying that times like these without wanting to sound too frivolous or flippant, are kind of really interesting for creativity. I mean, creative moments come out of, of, of sort of hard times like these. And people talk about uh, creativity under, under the sort of Thatcher administrations in the 80s and stuff like that. Um, do you think, can you, can you see their point? I mean, th- I think people have been saying that around that for the last 
year. Right. I'm not sure we've necessarily seen the fruits of that yet. It doesn't feel like there's ne- you know necessarily a huge shift. Right. Yet. Yeah. I don't think in kind of work or, or kind of the approach to work, it was really tricky to get the film ads say down to 15. There were lots of really good ads. There's lots of ads that aren't in there that could have sat there quite comfortably. Um, we spent a long time. So with Gurdjieff, our creativity and culture editor and Imogen Watson, the work and inspiration editor, thinking and, and um, trying to figure out where things should sit. So we actually went up in the end, we picked Adam Neve DDB's um, National Lottery Christmas ad as mm. our um, favourite ad of the year, which is kind of um, an interesting choice because it's a... It's a sort of classic, big, emotional, kind of slightly cheesy film. But I say that with a lot of love and because I think, you know, the the dynamic between the actors, the writing, you know, the script. Um, and obviously it's great to give um, a sort of best film ad to an ad with a huge budget as well. So yeah. you kind of, you know, if you're walking around, you mentioned outdoor earlier, on my way into work, into Twickenham, I usually see like a, you know, a, a lottery ad on a train site and then I walk through it past one of Deco's digital six sheets in Waterloo Station and it just feels and then they've done they did a special builders think as well so mm. it feels like a proper big comprehensive commercial campaign um, and I guess we, the work we did last year Chris which was that sort of don't be so don't be too clever mm. obviously built on some of Paul Feldwick's work and his yeah. argument is stop that you should so clever, stop yeah. being so clever yeah, yeah. and he's, his argument is that you shouldn't be ashamed of doing kind of big brash popular mm work and i guess that's sort of part of that be more be more mrs brown I be think. more mrs yeah. brown yeah although don't tell that to rick brim because i'm not sure or any of the, the talented people who worked on the campaign i think ben Tollett was involved as well it's the only time i've um, laughed at mrs brown so. Mike, no less. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you who don't know chris has came up with a cover last year which was a, a mashup of um it was a mrs brown and, and the uh, mona lisa, mona lisa yeah Again, first thing that popped into my head there. I was like, that's that's what I want to do that. that that's Your head's a fascinating place, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and so similarly with the creatives list. So we have um, 20 creatives in list. There are many more great creatives um, that, that we couldn't quite have space for. You know, Rick Brim, who's the um, chief creative officer at Adam and Eve DDB, was our top creative, which he'll probably be... The, furious with me for mentioning um but he's obviously supported by a big team including Anne and mike who are the um, executive creative directors there um and nelson and mike sutherland um and then they've obviously got a, a huge team and i think you know really delivered for national lottery and and john lewis at christmas obviously the waitrose ad as well there's a shelter work that comes out this week um and then there's the calm work that did so well at the big awards a few weeks ago so yeah. huge well done to that department yeah. So, Chris, obviously, um, putting together, I don't know how many lists we've got to in the end, but what, 20, 25 lists? It's, it's, it, a, it's a lot, yeah. <laughs> in quite a short space of time with the relevant pictures and um, different formatting. Um, how, how's that put to put together from a creative standpoint? Hon- honestly. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Right. You know, it's uh, just between us and our thousands <laughs> of listeners. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I'm I'm quite used to um, seat of the pants journalism. I did, uh, you know, I did the the daily magazine for the Olympics for seventeen days, t- ten ten years ago, ten years ago, yeah. ten, ten years ago, um, and so that's obviously stuff coming flying at you really, really late. This is similar, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is strange for a quarterly magazine, but no, I mean, 
you know, you sort of get into this Zen zone of it will it will happen, but it wouldn't have happened without without Beth Beth, our uh, production editor, who um, her you know calm disposition and friendly smiling face every morning, <laughs> every morning just uh, expecting copy to arrive. Um, yeah, no, it's it's a very very difficult section to put together, but um, because it all changes, uh, which I, I can understand because you know people care about it, don't they? You've got to get it right. Yeah, and a huge thank you to Beth, um, our production editor, yeah. for everything that she does and continues to do. We'll try harder next week, next year. You've got some plans. We're going to shake things yeah. up. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be much better next year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we said that last year. Um, it's just the nature of the beast. It's not. It's 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 very last minute and it's uh, very important and everybody has an opinion, so things change. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously... It's a lot the- of cutouts. If I had to change something, I'd do less cutouts. Yeah, we could just put, what, headshots in? Headshots. It's the yeah. headshots that cause the problems. Okay. Well, one, one of it, the problems. It's the lookalikes that takes forever, isn't it? <laughs> lookalikes is, is uh, it's a really challenging one because you have to find a picture uh, within our subscription on Getty of the person that looks like the person you want it to look like in a, in a similar sort of pose as well. I mean, I really enjoy putting together some sections of it. I like doing the, the film ads. I like doing the mishaps. The mishaps is always good fun. Really well written as well. It's really fun. I thought from the mishaps Gemma, was yeah. really, really good. I think yeah. Gemma did it, didn't she? Yeah. Gemma Charles. Yeah. yeah. And um, the print ads I like putting together. Um, it should be said as well, if I can, Gemma Charles obviously did a well, you know, organised the lists from mm. a, the purely editorial point of view and deserves a huge, huge medal for doing yeah, that as yeah. well. Um, so yeah, lookalikes wise um, this year, because it's, it's a fine balance because obviously we need to, you know, be respectful of people and their looks. Yeah, I suppose you do. Yeah. You know, we all don't want to be. Um, and so I think, I think hopefully, hopefully we've got balance right this year. We've got Martin Beverly, who is, um, yeah, put alongside child actor Jonathan Lippinicki. Um, from Jerry Maguire. Well, if, they, if they don't like them, what they should do is they should come back and give us a list of lookalikes that we look like. <laughs> or just change their look, you know, just get a haircut or something. <laughs> if you don't like it, <laughs> stop um, looking like him. Yeah, and we've got Alex Grieve as Martin Freeman um, and, and Felix Richter as the Manchester City footballer, Erling Haaland. Um, so, yeah, hopefully they've gone down okay. Well, we'll find out, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and it's interesting you mentioned the outdoor ads, Matt. One of the things that kind of slightly depressed me as a um, you know a, a, someone who writes journalism for a living was the difference between the outdoor ads, which were hotly contested and some really great ideas there, and the press ads. Um, you know, we, there are some interesting tactical campaigns in yep. in the press ads, but um, I have to say that the you know the kind of the general you know, the breadth of work within the press sector really speaks volumes about, um, you know, print advertising. Obviously, they've all got multifaceted business models, as have we. Um, But, you know, as someone who loves a a nice glossy press ad, it was a bit disappointing. Um, But there we are. Um, Okay, so should we move on? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about this? No, Any I other want, complaints, Chris? <laughs> There's no complaint. I <laughs> wanted to, us to include a, a best sick burns uh, <laughs> section in the in the list. So maybe would that be a social? A social sort of media, boom. yeah. But then when I mentioned it too, I think it was Gideon. He said, uh, "I think that's more PR." We have actually added some new lists this year. So there are got, some new categories. Yeah, yeah, so we're kind of trying to reflect some of the breadth of work, um, which some of the older fo- 
sort of formats of the list didn't. So we've included um, best media ideas, um, an opportunity to sort of celebrate something that kind of lives in um, media or a media planning idea with the top um, media idea being uh, Tesco's campaign to find the voice of its um, checkout Got on TikTok. TikTok campaign. Yeah, yeah. on TikTok, mm. which was good. And then we also have customer experience ideas as well to kind of reflect some of the work that agencies are doing around kind of, yeah, kind of the proper broader customer experience rather than necessarily just comms. And new business as well. And new business two people, new yeah. So we've got two new categories for, um, you know, the people who obviously kind of lifeblood of the agency driving um, that growth. So we've got a top five for um, new business uh, chief of the year for media and creative. Fab. Okay. Um, and so in the um, another regular, which is also included in this magazine, is our year ahead essays. Um, and so this year we had um, two roundtables in a slight change to the format on the 12 months in front of the ad agencies, part of the sector and media. And they were hosted by Gemma Charles and Gideon Spanier, respectively. And then we have a, the series of the more traditional kind of mini essays on a range of other bits of the industry. Um, Chris, now, I don't know if anyone's seen this yet. It's in print now and obviously in digital magazine and it'll be online in January because you don't need to think about it till then. Um, but how did you come up with the idea for this treatment? Do you want to explain what it is and then I guess how we got there? This is another one that, you know, <laughs> I, I, it's like school reports. We've got to think a, a different way of doing it every year. Um we did tarot cards last year. We did Squid Game because yep. yeah. remember Squid Game that was huge then, wasn't it? Um, and so uh, I had to try and think of another way of um, talking about predictions. And um, the first, well, not the first thing. First thing I thought of was tea leaves. Um, <laughs> did you all keep that in the back pocket? Yeah. Oops, spoiler. <laughs> um, but then I thought about um, Paul the psychic octopus. What with the the World Cup and everything, you know, there's a, quite a big trend for animals predicting things. Uh, I thought it'd be funny to have all of the um, different psychic animals sitting because because we had the um, round tables. I thought it'd be funny to put all of the psychic animals around a, a table as if they're all debating uh, between them. And then um, I got uh, Richard Tingley, who's a really good uh, comic book style artist, very much in the style of Leo Baxendale or one of the old school Beano and Dandy artists. I, I love his work and he's he's a very modest man, a genius in the shed, a real genius in the shed like you get these days. Um, and so I got him to draw um, all of the different animals. And, um, you know, I love I love jobs like that where you've got someone really um, creative, like, buzzing with ideas and then you come back and you say things like, the kangaroo's nose is too big or, you know, can you make the hoover more friendly? <laughs> uh, that's part, that's the most fun part of um, of commissioning illustrations is saying silly things like that. Do you do it just to be annoying? Or? Oh, yeah. Yeah, just do it to be <laughs> annoying. No, I do it because I've, I've got a very, when I commission it, I've got a very clear idea in my head of um, of what I want. And then I, I sat down with a biro and, and and drew them all out and then looked at them afterwards and was like, well, he's not going to understand what that is at all. So I sent them over and hoped for the best. And then um, when they came back, I mean, these are the sort of things you, our, our listeners do all the time on a far grander scale with a far bigger budget. But um, yeah, me and a biro, and a man in a shed drawing octopi. Yeah, indeed. Do you have a favourite um, animal? Uh, I think the cat. 
I said, yeah, I think the cat. I just kept saying, more frazzled, please. Um, but yeah, some of them just, yeah, you, you got it right first time. But others, I was very, very specific about um, little details on them. But I think that the um, the round table picture of them at the end, it looks great. So Richard Tingley, if anyone if anyone needs a, a Leo Baxendale, which you might have to Google, I don't know. <laughs> um, Put a link in the show notes. Influenced uh, um, illustrator for one of your huge clients. He's, uh, well, I was going to say he's quite cheap, but... <laughs> Don't say that. No, he's not he's, quite cheap, actually. He's, 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 he's a very reasonable price. Well, and obviously it's it's great to be able to um, invest in having, you know, some proper bespoke yeah, and, illustration. And, and Bill on the cover, Bill McConkie on the cover, who... Um, uh, when we were at the uh, BSME Awards the other day, I was talking to Chris. Which Chris won, we should say, no. Art Director of the Year, B2B, for the second year running. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, which in the, in the same calendar year because of COVID. Yeah. And we should mention Gideon Spanier as well, who won Editor-in-Chief of the Year. And Very also well our deserved. colleagues, um, Kate McGee, who won Editor of the Year B2B. And Tim Scott. And Tim Scott. A group production, no, group art director, group art director. Who, who won cover of the year for a Management Today cover. Congratulations. A fantastic all. cover that came from the heart, I think. <laughs> if, you, if you see it, you'll, you'll know what I mean. Um, yeah, so I was at the, when we were at the BSMEs, I was talking to Chris Lupton, the creative director of Empire, and I was talking to him about this cover and how pleased I was. And uh, he said... Um, yeah, I know you have because he, uh, he he had to bump me to, to fit you in. He's supposed to be he's supposed to be my contributing editor, whatever he is. He's uh, he's yeah. So it's it's really good to get um, illustrators of this caliber who, who really enjoy working on for the magazine. Cool. Um, so beyond the illustrations, I highlight the section I think is the conversation between Alex Best of Wonderhood, Chris Kay of Sarchies, Bill Scott of Accenture Song and Droga 5, and Larissa Vince of TBWA, obviously formerly of this parish. Um, so among other things, they talk about how great work can give agencies confidence and they draw on Scott's experience at BBH and Best's time at Wyden and Kennedy. Um, was there anything in the year ahead, Matt, that I think confidence is sort of the key word. There's a bit of defiance in there as well, I think, this this, this sort of um, idea that uh, creativity, I mean, it, it fits with very much with the illustrations because you're reading a lot of people sort of talking in, in the round table about the, the importance of creativity. And, and, you know, we've touched on this in, in, in recent weeks, haven't we, about this transition perhaps from things being so purpose-led to getting back to perhaps a more traditional, aspirational kind of creativity whether that's uh, whether that really chimes in with Paul the Octopus and, and a drunk-looking goat and, and all the rest of it on these illustrations, <laughs> but it, it it does kind of nicely kind of chime with that idea that it's it's time to sort of return to agencies and 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 the creative world doing what it does best. Um, yeah, I think there's. I, I mentioned I, I wrote an intro to it all, and um, I think pretty much the first line was that the default setting of the industry tends to be one of optimism, and I think that's reflected in there. Um, yeah, because you speak to some very senior people in the yes, business, um, and and there's 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 some you know the general mood I think is okay. It's 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 time for us to do what we do best, and and hopefully sort of reflect what's going on in people's lives um but but you know also just try and lift them a bit i suppose mm. you know yeah i mean i think we obviously at the big awards a few weeks ago um felix richter from mother and shelly smola of droga five talked about the idea that the adlan mm. was on this big shift 
they they said away from purpose and to kind of something kind of yeah. something different and new. I think they sort of weren't sure what it was, but were um, lovely and encouraging to the people in the room and suggested they would yeah. be the ones to find the answer. And I think what's interesting as well is that doesn't mean leaving purpose behind far no. from it. I, th- I think what it means is that we 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 now expect people to sort of care about various you know, brands, sorry, as much as anything, to care about social issues and, 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 and so on and to be in tune with that. Um, but at the same time, to, to sort of have a bit of fun, I guess, mm. you know. I mean, I think it is, I mean, I think it is, so there are murmurs of things getting quite tricky, I think particularly for some of the independent creative agencies. And mm. so all the best of luck and love to, to anyone in those positions at the time, at the moment. Um, yeah. And hopefully, yeah, by continuing to, apply your creativity to your clients you know you can help your own businesses as well as theirs so uh elsewhere in the magazine matt you wrote a piece about how trends appear to have sped up over the last sort of 20 years or so can you explain the kind of premise maybe to the yeah listeners? this might need a bit of explaining but basically <laughs> the, the sort of the, the, the most basic outline of it is in in our kind of digital world um if, if you're out there kind of creating a a social or cultural movement, I guess, you know, whether that's music or art or whatever, um, it'll very quickly get swallowed up by the mainstream, you know, within months, within, within a year now, it'll, it'll suddenly become mainstream and it loses a bit of its potency. And so the obvious example of how things used to be back in my day is with, with sort of youth subcultures, um, there would always be like a, a gap of a few years between something happening at street level and then it becoming a part of the mainstream media mm. and your dad knowing about it or whatever, you know, and, and that just Being doesn't... Used ha- on a telly ad. Yeah, and, and that just doesn't really happen anymore. Um, there's a positive spin on that. Everything's up for grabs. You can, you know, everything's a few clicks away if, if, if you want to sort of tap into whatever subculture, that's great. Um, so I interviewed a few people knows <laughs> i'm not i'm of a certain age of a certain demographic i spoke to uh an you author- do also have a more varied cultural life than well most I know, people yeah. I know, oh, thank you oh thank you um i, I spoke to an american journalist called w david marks and he's written a great book not that related out, not related to um groucho and it came out <laughs> earlier this year <laughs> called uh, stasis and culture and it's one of one of the things he taps on is this kind of the way things speed up now he was great he came out with some great lines peter york as well, bless him, was, was, was fantastic. Now, and then in the interest of balance, I spoke to some young people, um, Tom Sweeney from, from Fanbytes and, and, and Tara Ellis from St. Luke's. Fascinatingly, they both said, yeah, but this is a great thing. This, this is really good. Um, so yeah, it, it, it was it was a great article to write. It's a fun one to do. We we, we did a um, a totally uh, how would you describe it, Chris? The um, the timeline of of oh, uh, British youth cultures. It was it wasn't furious. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's sort of suddenly you Unscientific. get to sort of. The no, last... I, I just think I think it it sums up what you're talking about. Yeah, it doesn't take a <laughs> too close analysis, but. It was quite fun to do. Yeah, it looks good. It looks nice. We, but it, we it were suddenly, giggling like school children. Yeah. We were saying TikTokers, uh, what was it, Soul Boys, Soul Boys and Girls? You, you get to the end of the 1990s and it's suddenly... Hmm. Trip, pop, trip, pop, jungle, <laughs> Americana. And then we got, yeah, we got to the 2020s and the best we came up with was sea shanties. Yeah. <laughs> God love a sea shanty. I mean, basically the graphic sort of tries to show that things peak and then they have a long tail but whereas now they sort of peak really quickly and then and then drop off almost immediately so do you remember drift funk oh i do yeah yeah those were the days weren't they (laughs) if if anybody wants to write in and say that we forgot you know 
vegan called trance or something, then then do please feel free. Yeah. Uh, we could add it. We could be like yeah. a living, breathing. Thing. Yeah, it could. Yeah, yeah. Please um, do add to the graphic if you wish. Chris has not got anything else. To do. <laughs> um, would you like to explain a bit more about? Well, or something about the the intro page, the feature, Chris. Oh, um, yeah. So Matt was talking. He was trying to explain the feature to me, and I thought of um, I forgot what they're called. Rot- that rotary um, zoetropes, the um, the sort of drum animation thing that you, you where you look through the slits and you see the character uh, walk, walking or moving or whatever. And I thought that would be a quite quite a nice way to show that things change really quickly, but you just get a little glimpse of it. And so then I um, tried to uh, show that through um, changing fashion, one character from the 60s to, to now. I don't know how successful it was. I, I think it worked, but um, maybe maybe write in and let us know. <laughs> well, I just love that you, our main communication about it was always like, I'm going to put more clothes on them. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to yeah, put more right. clothes on them. <laughs> <laughs> I did start it off to... to a little bit of explanation there. As a, as a, I don't always start <laughs> things naked. Um, I used a, a picture I, uh, to get the frames of the animation. I based it around um, uh, a, a vintage uh, picture of someone walking who happened to not be wearing clothes. Just um, happened to just choose happened. that image. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so as I added the elements, everyone was like, oh, yeah, yeah, the face looks good. She hasn't got any clothes on, though. I was like, yeah, she will have clothes. But um, yeah, they have clothes now. So that's good. Yeah. Okay. So we're obviously looking towards um, the end of the year. Obviously, year, next year. Um, what have you? I feel like Chris, you've been working on something as well as the magazine. Are you like glutton for punishment? Oh, uh, I do. I, think... I do have a book out. <laughs> you do have a yeah. book out. It's very impressive. Wonder um, why you were here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also have a Sergeant Pepper end of year celebrity death montage. When, when, when do we? When do we get that? That came out on oh, um, me. on the first of December. Okay. And then you spend December adding it. I don't spend December adding to it, but people do start messaging me. I'll explain it from the beginning. In 2016, when David Bowie and Prince and um, Carrie Carrie Fisher and George Michael and everybody died and and there was Brexit and Trump got elected, um, I did a, a... uh, a, a parody of a pastiche of the um, Sergeant Pepper album cover with all of the characters who characters, all of the celebrities who died that year on it, and it went super mega global viral. And I was having to do media interviews about it every day for some some reason because ev- every every time someone died, everyone would bombard me with, "Oh, well, now you've got to add so and so, you've got to add so and so." Um, and then because I'm a glutton for punishment, I did it again the next year and then I've carried on doing it every year and now people expect it, which is lovely because once a year I get interviewed by Billboard, which is which is fantastic. And, you know, I'll be able to tell my kids all about it one day. Um, when they're on TikTok. Well, yeah, I'll, they'll probably be, Billboard's probably on TikTok, aren't they? Let's face it. Um, uh, so I released it on December the 1st and on the front row I've got... Um, Nichelle Nichols, who played Uhura in Star Trek, a very, you know, a very culturally significant person who died this year, and Meatloaf, and um, poor uh, Robbie Coltrane and Olivia Newton-John are basically the front four. They, they're the Beatles, and then they're surrounded by... It's been an un, unbelievable year, so they're surrounded by hundreds of thousands of people. But obviously, I missed a couple, and uh, so people spend the whole month um, messaging me. 
uh, and then I do a, another version towards the end of the year. So you just do one once you've cleaned you to clean them up. Yeah, Probably, that sounds sensible. Yeah. Unless somebody really huge dies. But yes, uh, apart from that, <laughs> I've got a book out and a calendar. Um, I did, um, based probably inspired by that Mrs. Brown's cover. Which was um, your idea. Which so was that's... my idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, for my uh, <clears throat> birthday recently, we had a party, a fancy dress party. And the theme was um, the golden age of light entertainment. And my wife gave me permission to create some artwork for the walls, um, which she very rarely gives me license to Photoshop. <laughs> so uh, I thought, oh, I could do um, uh, characters from light entertainment in the style of great artists. So I did Bod in the style of Kandinsky. I did the two Ronnies in the style of Magritte. I did um, Only Fools and Horses in the style of um, Salvador Dali. And... Also then uh, tweeted them out and put them on social media and they went down really, really well. Got a lot of, um, a lot of the people in the pictures actually started um, saying how much they liked them. And then Catelyn Moran also really liked it and she pushed it and that, that went huge. Uh, and then somebody, somebody contacted me with, uh, with an offer of a book deal. Somebody contacted me with an offer to print some calendars for me. And now somebody's uh, contacted me to do an exhibition. So that's all going very well. I'm sure we'll put the link in the uh, Yeah, indeed. In the in notes so you can buy my book, which it will be dispatched on the 17th of December. So you should get it in time for Christmas. Fantastic. Okay, so what's next? What's next? What's next, yeah. Apart um, from, you know, world domination and <laughs> publishing. Well, uh, the school reports issue, I suppose. Uh, I have a few ideas how to treat it. We did Grange Hill last year. Yeah. You um, managed to get the sausage in. Which also makes appearance in your... Um, <laughs> Which your... also makes appearance in my book, in the style of Roy Lichtenstein, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not going to reveal what I've got in mind for the school reports yet. We'll, we'll have to discuss it off mic. Okay, great. Um, we've obviously, we've been working on the um, the form, which should be going out to agencies today, I believe. If anyone has any questions, contact myself or Nicola Merrifield. Matt, any, any, any other features you're working on? Or? We've got a few, I'm, I'm sort of... Basically working on a schedule for for early next year. So there's a few sort of things in the pipeline. Um, but yes, I'll, I'll keep those uh, for another podcast. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much, Matt and Chris, for joining the podcast today. If any of you would like to read the articles we've been discussing, please visit the website campaignlive.co.uk. Details of subscriptions are available at campaignlive.co.uk forward slash membership. All the content in the magazine is for our information and knowledge tier subscribers. If you enjoyed this episode of the Campaign Podcast, please follow us, like and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. A big thank you to producer Aidan Lyons from Rethink Audio and also to you for listening. I hope you'll join us next time. On behalf of the campaign team, goodbye. Goodbye.